What's happening, everybody? On today's show, spring game dates are set across the SEC. We'll run through who's playing when. Ole Miss basketball makes it official, hiring Chris Beard. Was it the right move? And Mizzou gets things started with this, uh, their spring game this weekend. We're going to talk with John Miller about a quarterback controversy heating up in Como. Locked on SEC starts now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start with spring games. They start this week in the SEC, Missouri. They are up first with their black and gold spring game this Saturday. And the SEC, they have revealed the entire broadcast schedule for spring games uh, across the networks. And if you're watching our video on YouTube, you can see the dates. It is Missouri up first. They're the only ones getting their spring game out of the way in March. As we get into April, that's when they all heat up. April 8th, it'll be Auburn with their 8A and Vanderbilt with their black and gold spring game. So we have multiple A-Day games and multiple black and gold spring games. Uh, nonetheless, uh, then th- Thursday, April 13th, Florida will have their Thursday night game, the orange and blue game. Uh, all these games will be streaming on either ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus. Then we get to Saturday, April 15th, and a good majority of the SEC having theirs that day. Uh, it'll be Arkansas and Mississippi State early in the afternoon, Tennessee in the afternoon, uh, as well as Ole Miss with the Grove Bowl, and Georgia with their G-Day, A&M with their maroon and white game, and then South Carolina that night on April 15th with the Garnet Black Spring game. And then a week later, it is LSU and Alabama. They will play theirs on Saturday, April 22nd in the afternoon. Now, Kentucky not going through theirs because of renovations going through the stadium, but uh, they will have SEC Network will feature some point spring access Kentucky football, so not to be forgotten there. But uh, Georgia's G-Day, by the way, that is going to air on ESPN2, so they get the national audience there while all the other ones will be streaming ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus, and rightfully so for the reigning champs. Remember, Alabama, they they would put theirs on ESPN or ESPN2 after they would win some titles. Uh, We mentioned Auburn. They've set the date for their spring game and set the time will be 1 p.m. Central uh, kickoff for Auburn's 8A game. Give a chance for fans to see the Hugh Freeze era get underway at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And Auburn already, with all these commitments that they've got coming in, uh, like running back Brian Batte, defensive lineman, Mosiah Nasili uh, Kite, uh, just so many different pieces that they've got coming in. Going to be interested to see what Auburn looks like on the offensive line, defensive line, what's Robbie Ashford look like at quarterback. So a lot of interest in Auburn uh, as they get their uh, spring game going here in a couple weeks. Meanwhile, in other news, Alabama, of course, they made big waves this offseason hiring Tommy Reese from Notre Dame as their new offensive coordinator and Kevin Steele 
as their new defensive coordinator coming over from Miami on Monday. Alabama AD Greg Byrne revealed compensation for those contracts. According to AL.com, Kevin Steele's contract is for three years and runs through 2025. We'll pay him $1.9 million per year. Uh, Tommy Reese also received a three-year deal starting at $1.9 million and increasing by $100,000 each year. So they're basically making the same. Three-year deals for Kevin Steele and Tommy Reese, both making just a hair under $2 million per year. Alabama, of course, finished number four in scoring offense this past year, averaging over 41 points per game. But that Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, is gone now. So we'll see... Uh, what Tommy Reese can do with the quarterbacks on the roster. Is it Ty Simpson? Is it Jalen Milrow? Be interesting to watch that Alabama quarterback battle as we get here into the spring. Meanwhile, in recruiting news, Arkansas, they picked up a big-time recruit on Monday. Four-star athlete Noreel White had offers from all across the SEC. Ranks as the number one, 342 player overall, but the number 40 athlete in the country and the number 10 player from the state of Mississippi. So don't get wrapped up in what the overall ranking of the player was. Six foot uh, tall, 170 pounds from Ocean Springs, Mississippi. And it sounds like he will play on the defensive side of the ball. And Arkansas now has three commitments in their class of 2024. Eli Drinkwitz got some good news this week as they picked up a 2024 quarterback commit in Daniel Kalen. He shut down his recruitment on Monday, announcing his commitment to Missouri. He had offers from the likes of Miami, Virginia, Colorado. Took an unofficial visit to North Carolina earlier this month. He's six foot two, 200 pounds, is a full-time starter for the first time this past fall as a junior, and is a three-star prospect, fourth-ranked recruit from the state of Nebraska. Ranks as the 30th quarterback in next year's class. Meanwhile, Zach Arnett getting an addition over at Mississippi State as they have picked up a commitment from TJ Lockhart. Six foot six, 365 pound offensive tackle from the state of Mississippi. Marks the second uh, commitment for the class of 2024 for the Bulldogs. On Wednesday night, uh, four star Alabama quarterback Josh Flowers announced he will play in Starkville. So. A good start to the 2024 recruiting class for Zach Arnett. They finished up with the 34th best recruiting class this past offseason. And, of course, Zach Arnett 1-0 in his coaching career so far with the win in the ReliQuest Bowl. And that is the latest uh, tidbits going on around the conference football-wise. When we return, we will talk about that hire in basketball over in Oxford. Chris Beard will touch on that in just a second. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. This episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. We are heading down the backstretch of the NBA season, and if you haven't tried out the FanDuel uh, Sportsbook app yet, you need to. It is America's number one sportsbook, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. They've got so many different things you can take part in. And bet on everything from the money line to point scores, uh, three-pointers drained. 
They even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Continue on here, Locked On SEC. We're going to talk with John Miller in just a little bit, get a little preview of Mississippi State's pregame, and also get his thoughts on or, uh, Missouri, rather, their spring game, get his thoughts on Missouri basketball, their chances in the uh, tournament happening this weekend. But first, we got to dive back into it as Ole Miss making a hire for their new basketball coach. And look, not without a little controversy as Chris Beard, the former Texas head coach, now officially the head coach at Ole Miss. Just a little more than two months after he was fired at Texas, Chris Beard officially announced as the Ole Miss head coach. Texas, of course, made the move after Beard faced a felony domestic family violence charge stemming from an incident that took place at his home on December 12th with his fiancée. The case was later dropped by a local district attorney. At the time, he had five years left on a seven-year guarantee contract with the University of Texas, but was fired for cause uh, per his contract and uh, lost out on all that money. Ole Miss touts Beard as a four-time conference coach of the year, 2019 national coach of the year. Of course, had some fantastic years at Texas Tech. Led three different programs to the NCAA tournament title since 2016, including an appearance in the 2019 National Championship game with Tech, an elite run, an elite eight run the year before at Tech. And as a head coach, he's 237 and 98, one of the top winning percentages among coaches in the nation. Over 70% of his games he wins. He also has a career mark of 11 and 5 in the NCAA tournament. Had that perfect 5-0 record in the opening round. And look, he put out a statement. He said, I'm honored to be joining the Ole Miss family. Excited to get started at this great university. Can't express how grateful I am to Chancellor Boyce, Keith Carter, and the rest of the search committee for their belief in me to lead the program. Really looking forward to being an active part of the Oxford community. I know we have one of the best venues in the country, and we are going to work tirelessly to build a championship-caliber program. Can't wait to connect with our players and recruits to begin this journey together. Hottie toddy. Um... Look, if it works for Ole Miss, if he wins there, it's a great hire. Um, it just feels very unusual or very odd that it wasn't even two months ago he was fired from his previous job for cause. And now here we are two months later celebrating his hire at Ole Miss. Uh, I know Ole Miss folks did their due diligence. 
I think the crazy part about this is it comes down to, you know, what do you think happened with Beard and his fiance? If, if you read the police report, it sounds like he put his hands on her. And that's why he was arrested that night and booked. And then again, she chose not to press charges, and that's why the DA came back and they dropped it and not facing any felony charges. But at what point do we consider moral choices with coaches? Again, I get it. It's SEC sports. It's win at all costs. Seeing that a little bit with uh, Nate Oates and Alabama and Brandon Miller. Um, again, good on Ole Miss fans. They need some kind of excitement there for their uh, basketball program. It's been largely irrelevant. I mean, outside of the run with uh, Andy Kennedy when he was there, feels like they've been out of sight, out of mind. I know Kermit had a little success in year one, but um, yeah. For them, it's excitement and a chance at a guy who could come in and win. But, again, we'll always have that stigma with them. Why were you fired from Texas again, Chris Beard? We'll see if it'll work out. Now, Chris Beard has already hit the ground running. Uh, Four-star recruit Jordan Burks in the 2023 class. He will remain committed to Ole Miss after speaking with Chris Beard, according to reports. So, Jordan Burks remaining part of this class. And reports yesterday, Ole Miss has already contacted Wofford transfer B.J. Mack, according to On3 Sports. Averaged almost 17 points, 5.5 rebounds, 1.4 assists this past season. Currently considered one of the top players in the transfer portal. Chris Beard is going after him. Wofford transfer B.J. Mack. So we'll see if he ends up choosing Chris Beard and the Rebels. Just makes not only the SEC, but particularly the SEC West that much more difficult with Nate Oates at Alabama, big-time head coach. Buzz Williams over Texas A&M, big-time head coach. And, you know, Chris Jantz, look at what he's doing at Mississippi State. Already got them in the tournament in year one. Uh, Matt McMahon, going to take him a little bit of time to build up at LSU. Of course, Eric Musselman, all these great postseason runs, back-to-back Elite Eight runs with Arkansas. So it's, uh, it is a loaded, loaded SEC West. Oh, yeah, let's not forget Bruce Pearl, by the way, in the tournament. Once again, recruiting at a super high level. So, SEC West alone, loaded with some great coaches and great talent, and Chris Beard is going to bring that level of uh, caliber basketball to Oxford, Mississippi. So the question for you guys, is it, uh, is it the right hire at the right time? <laughs> Did they rush into this uh, without maybe knowing all the details? Or maybe they do know all the details of what happened. Um, again, Arrested back on December 12th. His fiance called 911, told officers he had choked her from behind, bit her, and hit her when they got into an argument. Let's go in basketball games, right? Anyway, thanks for uh, making Lockdown SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to switch gears, talk some Missouri football. We're going to preview the Mizzou spring game with John Miller. Host of Locked on Mizzou. That's coming your way in just a sec. Continue on here on Locked on SEC. And it is that time of year, of course, as we've been talking. Spring ball about to get underway in Missouri, doing things a little bit differently. They're ahead of the curve on everybody. They're going to have their first spring game coming up this weekend. And nobody better to get on than our buddy John Miller, host of Locked on Mizzou. And he joins us now. John, what's going on, man? 
Oh, not too much. Just getting ready for this NCAA tournament. And like you said, the black and gold game on Saturday, too. I got plenty to keep me busy. Yeah, uh, we'll get into the basketball in just a little bit, but uh, we are talking a lot on uh, spring football. And so give me your general takeaways just from what you've seen, what you've heard. Uh, I guess what's kind of been the biggest focus for Eli Drinkwitz and staff coming out of uh, spring ball, getting ready for the spring game? Well, certainly it's the quarterback position, and I think that's kind of been the case every year but one so far in the Drinkwitz era for Missouri. And last season, Brady Cook was Missouri's starter to, I would say, mixed results, had some good moments and and some not-so-great moments either. Really finished pretty strong in the season, but now is facing an off-season recovery from shoulder surgery. He had a torn labrum that he actually injured against Kansas State in week two and the scuttlebutt around the program right now seems to be that he's probably not going to be your starter this coming fall healthy or not it's probably going to be some combination of a couple really highly recruited guys from the last couple cycles one of them was on the squad last year that's Sam Horn he's a four-star kid from Georgia real talented in fact is on the Missouri baseball roster looked really good in his first outing his second outing he left the Left the game early with some elbow pain. Everybody, including me, was worried he may have had a serious elbow injury. But as of now, he's back throwing the football at practice, not throwing a baseball yet. That's a little bit different of a motion, as you know, Chris. So that's what's interesting there. And, of course, Jake Garcia, transfer from Miami, former five-star recruit. Interesting player, hopefully a guy that maybe looked – not, maybe his struggles last season with the Canes were, in my opinion, due to an offense that just kind of collapsed around him. So hard to evaluate him last season. But right now he's getting a lot of reps along with Sam Horn. No question about that this spring. Yeah, let, let's get into a, a little bit more there, I guess, with, with Jake Garcia. I mean, he was a highly touted guy, and Miami seemed to like him a lot. But, like, where are the Missouri fans on Brady Cook? I mean, is it one of those things that's understood – that when he's back healthy, that, okay, you know, you, you shouldn't get Wally Pip just because you had a little injury. You should be able to come back. Or are a lot of the fans wanting Garcia to grab this or, like you said, Horn? I think it's probably the latter. I think most fans would probably like to see that. And this is sort of the classic case of unless you have one of the studs of the league, somebody like Bryce Young, you know, I mean, the backup quarterback is always going to be one of the most popular guys on your roster, especially when he fits the profile of, of Jake Garcia, a five-star guy, you know, a guy who's borderline five-star, honestly, and Sam Horn, a real high four-star kind of prospect and somebody you probably don't get out of the state of Georgia if you don't let him play baseball. So I just think Missouri fans right now are enamored with the upside of those two guys and feel like they probably know what they have in Brady Cook. And it seems like, really, if you just read the tea leaves, Drinkwitz and the rest of the staff kind of feels that way, too. It's it's interesting, John, as we uh, kind of look at this team, and, and it's going to look a little bit different. I know Drinkwitz has talked about some guys hitting the transfer portal and leaving. Um, you know, Dominic Lovett is a big loss there at receiver, but keeping Luther Burden and keeping Luther Burden happy, I think, is key. Because, you know, sure. we saw glimpses as a true freshman how good he can be. But I like what Drinkwood said at the start of the spring, that they want to move him around a little bit more and get him you know, in, a, in maybe the slot where maybe he's not a prototypical slot receiver, but he's going to see a lot more targets. And look, one of your best players, get him the ball very often, and, and that seems to make a lot of sense. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned Dominic Lovett, who was also sort of an unconventional slot player, I guess. And if you think of sort of your slot player as that classic, you know, Tom Brady, New England Patriots spot, whoever it might be, whether it's Wes Welk or somebody like that. Dominic Lovett was much more of an explosive big time playmaker than that, but he normally more often than not lined up on the inside. And I think you see that a lot more in modern college football. And I just think with Luther Burden, I think with his particular skill set and he isn't, you know, six foot five, he's not built like Calvin Johnson. He's probably more like six, two or something like that, but a guy who can break tackles in the open field. I just think it, it fits his skill set a lot more to be on the inside than the outside. But same time, no doubt Missouri's going to lose Dominic Lovett. Fortunately, other than that, that was by far their biggest loss on the team. And for the most part, they held on to their important players on the on the 22 deep there. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, guys coming in and at the receiver spot, you bring in Dennis Jackson from uh, Ole Miss and Theo Weiss from right. Oklahoma, very productive. We just saw Jaden Hazelwood a year go from Oklahoma to Arkansas, had a very productive year for the Hogs, and now here comes Theo East from Oklahoma with an opportunity to make an impact as well. I think him with, you know, with Luther Burden, with Dennis Jackson, I mean, there's some pieces here that Missouri, whoever the quarterback is, is going to have a lot of weapons. Yeah, I agree, and you mentioned the Jackson kid and Theo Weiss. I think they both profile as guys who can play on the outside as well, so I think that's another reason why Burden can slide into the inside, and and I'm with you. There's the beginnings of a good offense here, I think, at receiver, as long as the quarterback can play well, but I think, again, the offensive line will be a real question mark for Missouri, as it was last season. I think Missouri can can be better at that position, really that's almost as important as the quarterback position, in my opinion. That's how bad Missouri struggled up front last year. Yeah, Mookie Cooper, we'll see uh, what there is there. Uh, what about the backfield? Does it seem like – is it – who are some of the guys in the running for grabbing that starting running back spot this year? You know, I think Cody Schrader, who was probably the lead, he was definitely the workhorse. He led Missouri in carries last season, a transfer from Truman State, and a guy who is definitely kind of more of a three yards and a cloud of dust type of runner. Not a big explosive player or anything like that. So, in my opinion, similar to Brady Cook, I think a lot of Missouri fans would like to see a younger player who has a bigger recruiting profile in the past bubble up from the bottom of the roster and maybe take that job. Somebody like Tavoris Jones, who was a four-star running back out of the state of Texas. Well, you know, Missouri doesn't get four-star running backs out of Texas very often. They've done well in Texas, but to get that type of player out of the state, that's an accomplishment. And I thought last season you saw a little glimpse of what Jones can also do, not only in the running game, but in the passing game too, which I thought was encouraging, so I think if there's one guy to watch, it would be Tavoris Jones in the backfield. Defensively, they get some pieces through the portal. Um, you know, Joe Moore comes over, Travis Johnson from Florida, and then he's been banged up a little bit. But uh, defense was kind of, for Missouri last year at times, it was the strength of this team and looked really good in some of those games. Absolutely. I think Missouri was really good defensively, other than really the Tennessee game. And, and maybe you could throw the bowl game out, too. But everybody seems to throw the bowl game out these days. But other than the Tennessee game, I thought Missouri was pretty excellent all season defensively. And really the biggest part of that, in my opinion, was Ennis Rakestraw and Chris Abrams drain a couple corners on the outside that allowed Missouri to play aggressive man-to-man -man defense 
and more often than not, bring five or six guys, sometimes even seven, in pressure and, and hold up. You saw Missouri do that over and over again against Georgia in particular. They just weren't respecting the Georgia receivers that were in that ball game. You saw Georgia got more healthy at the end of the season. That position made a big difference. But in that particular game, Missouri hung in there with that. And since that foundation is back, I think you'll see a similar type Missouri defense this year, despite losing a couple key defensive ends. As long as you got those corners, I think we can make stuff happen because, again, we don't have to rely on just rushing four. All right, John, before we let you go, um, look, we're all filling out our brackets. We're all looking at this thing. Dennis Gates, really nice year one at Mizzou, seven seed, but against the dreaded 10 seed, Utah State, a very dangerous team. Uh, give me a reason why we should be picking Mizzou to take care of business against Utah State, advancing the bracket. Well, to your point, over at uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, the Tigers are two-and-a-half-point underdogs, despite being the seven seed. But to me, this isn't maybe as tough of a matchup as it looks on paper. The Tigers are a good offensive team that doesn't have a lot of size. So a lot of times, if you can really crash the boards offensively against Missouri's defense – you can have success, but that doesn't that's not the kind of team that Utah State really profiles as. So to me, this is a pretty good matchup for the Tigers. And also speaking of FanDuel Sportsbook, the highest of the Thursday and Friday over-unders right now as well. So expect to see a lot of points and the type of game that really probably favors both squads, I guess you could say. Utah State's probably saying the same thing in their mind. Just as a Missouri fan. I just think we're a lot more battle-tested than Utah State if you look at their schedule versus ours. And, yeah, if you're going to give me the two-and-a-half points, I'll take it. He is John Miller, host of Locked on Mizzou. And for those of you watching the video, he is fully decked out Mizzou hat and Locked on T-shirt. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Go check out his work. Does a fantastic job covering the Mizzou Tigers. And, of course, like we said, they're first up. We'll see them in football action this weekend, their spring game. John, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Again, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Now you can go make your second listen. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. They're breaking everything you need to know down for your bracket. Locked On College Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.